Hello and welcome to the Real Estate Nerds Podcast. On this Best Deal episode, we will explore the human side of real estate investing with a seasoned pro about the legendary best deal of their life. A deal isn't just the investment, it is also the person executing it. Stay with us and learn what it takes to be the best investor possible. Hi, and welcome to the Real Estate Nerds Podcast. I'm your host, Scott Royal-Smith, the owner of Royal Legal Solutions, your one-stop shop for everything real estate business and tax, uh, everything for real estate investors from stop to start to finish. And uh, I'm here uh, with a good friend of mine, Scott uh, Price. Uh, Scott is pretty is an amazing investor. He has a great story um, about you know um, him and his wife and coming from bootstrapped beginnings of what it takes to, to become successful. Um, I can't wait to learn a little bit more uh, from him today um, than I already have and and uh, and knowing him. And uh, so Scott, thank you so much for joining us on the on the show here today. And what uh, what do you th- is it that that you need to uh, think the investors need to know to get a backdrop of who you are um, to be able to understand the context for this best deal that we're going to be talking about today. Sure. Thanks for having me on the show, Scott. Appreciate it. Basically, I have been investing full uh, for about 15 years, something like that. And it's mostly been part-time, meaning I've always had W-2 jobs until or earlier this year. I'm now, now full-time and that's always been the plan. So I've been gradually building a portfolio with my wife over, the, over that time period. And uh, so our goal has always been to build net worth and build uh, build monthly income uh, from real estate. And we got to the point, we got past the point, I should say, of, uh, of achieving that goal. And so now we're at the stage of building our business even further because now I have more time to devote to it. And uh, we basically are looking at uh, multifamily, retail, office, and land. We currently own examples of all those. And we've uh, gradually accumulated each. We, uh, we are opportunistic, meaning we don't, just, uh, we don't just jump in on one asset class, but we jump in on what we think is a good deal. And we know enough about, about various asset classes that, uh, that we do jump in on, on better deals uh, when they come our way. And uh, yeah, we live uh, just northwest of the Seattle area on an island called Whidbey Island. And uh, just recently uh, built a home. We're actually living in cardboard boxes or out of cardboard boxes, I should say, at the moment. And uh, and uh, yeah, yeah. So I, think- I was going to say, Scott, if you're living inside a cardboard box right now, I don't know. I'd recommend buying real estate. That's yeah. right. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They wouldn't. Uh, I don't think we'd have to do a whole lot of planning to. <laughs> Yeah. Fantastic. Well, I, I know you've had a lot of success with what you guys do and a really strong track record with it. Um, in terms of like a, the best deal that you want to um, talk about today, can you give us like a 10,000 you know, uh, foot view uh, overview sure. of what that deal looks like? Certainly. Yeah. The, the one that I thought would be interesting to talk about is uh, actually mostly about using leverage. And what I mean by that is the deal itself was a good one, but it allowed me to to use the equity within that property and roll it into multiple other properties. And the 10,000 foot view is I bought a two building, one parcel uh, office 
building complex, if you want to call it that. So, you know, it's one parcel, but it has two buildings on it. And I uh, got it in an online auction, actually, bought it really well. And then I, uh, I did some interesting financing that we can go into. I won't, uh, I'm sure we'll deep dive into that. Did some creative financing to minimize my cash out of pocket. Uh, immediately refinanced with the bank, got all my cash out, and then refinanced again later after it had seasoned. And at each phase, I used that leverage to buy a small pharmacy. And then I bought a 12-unit uh, multifamily, again, using creative uh, financing and leverage uh, along the way. And then I ended up selling the first property, doing a 1031 exchange to defer all the taxes and then bought a 17 unit. So I started with the one, ended up with three, a lot more net worth out of the three, as well as more income out of the three. So that's awesome, that's Scott. Foot view. <laughs> yeah. Well, those are, those are really great. The way those kind of deals get put together. You know, a lot of times when we find it's like either best deals or worst deals, you don't really know in the very beginning of how deals are going to turn out. Right. So I think one of the things that um, I'd like to dive in with you um, today is like, what, what is it that was, you know, in the very beginning, even before you're starting to, you know, get into finding your first, uh, this property that's on an online auction, you were already doing some other investments mm -hmm. before you found this property in the online auction. Right. right? And, and I know um, that some people would say, Oh, online auction, like how in the world um, are you possibly doing the due diligence and knowing that that type of investment is going to work for you? Because that sounds like really like you're swimming outside of your lane, you know, in, in some ways to be doing something like that. So can you talk to us a little bit about that and, and what, uh, you know, what made you feel comfortable to know that that was a good direction to go to? Because I think a lot of people that swim outside their lanes like that, you know, a lot of times find they get burned. So what was your um, experience in feeling comfortable with that and, and thinking that was going to be good? Sure. Uh, yeah, it's, it, it's interesting uh, being able to buy things in some cases sight unseen. And uh, I have done that actually three times. Um, and this was, this was one of them, although right before the auction, I did, uh, I did check it at least on the exterior, but I didn't have interior access. And uh, in two other cases with smaller properties, one was a duplex and another one was a single condo. I, uh, I actually bought those by doing a lot of online research and I, I was basically putting out, uh, putting out feelers of multiple online auctions and saying, okay, if I can get it at X price, there's, there's so much money left on the table that it reduces my risk and usually with the ones that I was involved with, usually there was a relatively small, non-refundable, uh, basically earnest money deposit. And in one case, actually, I did, after winning the auction, I actually went, looked into it more and declined. And I said, okay, I understand that's the deal. You keep my earnest money. And, uh, but because I was running so many of them and because I, I don't just invest in my local area, I'm pretty widespread, at least around the state of Washington, that it, it, it actually made more sense for me to go out and, and make bids on lots of things at a, at a really good price. And then just, uh, just understand that, Hey, uh, you know, a couple of them, well, in this case, only one, but uh, you know, a couple of them, I might have to, to swallow the earn, the small earnest money deposit. Cause after I would win, then I'd go to the property and look at it as much as I could look in the windows, you know, get in if I could, things like that. And, 
and on this particular case, it was it was certainly a lot of risk to it because it's a foreclosure. So being a foreclosure, the most recent owner before the bank, meaning you know, the one who was really operating it before the bank took it back, uh, that person's not in the picture. And they have no incentive or interest to provide any information at all. So the, the due diligence is really tough. I mean, it can be tough even just to get leases and things like that, yet alone anything beyond that. And in this case, it was a, uh, it was it was a low enough price. It was, uh, well, to give you specifics, I bought it for 295000 and my first loan, they did, and they did a BPO, a broker price opinion on it. And it was like in the 800 to 900 range in terms of what they thought it was. So it was kind of, uh, yeah, there were vacancies and things like that. But hey, you know, <laughs> even, if I, even if I just sold it for 400 I could get out of it and, yeah. and actually make a profit. So well, was, what do you think is it that like gave you that type of edge, right? When you're making that kind of money and you're making it online, a lot of times that means that you have some type of information edge because online inherently has a lot of people looking at it, right? Mm -hmm. What is it that you think gave you that information edge to be able to, to know that that was the deal you wanted to do? Yes, a couple things. One of them is I, I specialize in tertiary markets, which basically means the, the small towns. And I, I find that a lot of investors don't even look there. More investors nowadays are looking there because they're chasing yield because they're realizing that in all the primary markets, there's, there's no money to be made, at least from a cash flow basis. So uh, maybe from an appreciation basis, but not from cash flow. So they're going out to these tertiary markets. But uh, a few years ago, and 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 you know certainly in going back to when when things changed, two thousand eight to two thousand twelve, that kind of time frame, uh, it's, it was really good in those markets. And then even a few years after that, it was still it was still pretty good before a lot of people started coming out and competing there. And in my case, I, I, I do a lot of top-down analysis before I buy any property. I, I don't buy the property first. I buy the, the location, the local demographics, the local economy, things like that. And for this particular location, it had two really good tenants. They were long-term government tenants, actually. And that gave me a, a feeling of confidence, even though all the other units in the in the property were vacant, which made which made it interesting. It was kind of like, okay, high risk, but uh, but at the same time, two long term government tenants more than covered any kind of loan payments and and any kind of general payments that I would have in terms of expenses in terms of just their leases alone, and then it was just all upside from there. So. I did an exterior inspection myself. I uh, and and then I uh, I also because there were government offices, I could walk into them and walk around, not doing an inspection, of course, but I could. They were open, so I could uh, I could at least see them, and I could see down the hallways to see the into the windows of the vacant units. So. It's, by doing things like that, I, I felt confident enough on it. And, and I, I had a buffer. I, I knew, for instance, I had to replace the, the, the roofs on, on both of the buildings, and that's expensive. And I had to replace a few HVAC units, and these are big commercial units, and that's expensive too. But at the same time, when you, when you, when you have a wide margin to deal with, then, then I'm okay on the, on the risk factor there because it's- That's cool. 
Yeah, I mean, because that makes a lot of sense, right? If you're okay with the risk factor and you have the margin, then of course it makes sense, right, to do it. I'm, I'm wondering about too, when you're trying to do this type and find that type of deal, have you ever looked to like estimate how many hours that you're spending in terms of like due diligence and to actually search to find it? Because this looks like one of those things that you could spend like days, weeks, or months, like just pouring through data, looking for this one set criteria that fits. Because I'm sure that when you were doing this, you're like, here's my objective criteria. Sure. That, like I'm using to me as an investor, right? Um, so like, had, did you try to quantify any of that of all to be able to see like what are hours in versus, you know, what, how many deals you're able to make that are like that? Yeah, I, mean? I, I haven't, I haven't graphed that. Okay. <laughs> I haven't, right. uh, no, I was just curious, that. you know, cause I was like, man, this sounds like a really cool thing. But I was like, I know for a fact, if I were to start jumping into tertiary markets with online, just from the sheer volume, I'd be like, whoa, this is an amazing amount of effort to do it. And I would probably immediately be saying like, what kind of tools can I use to grab like APIs to pull the data and then do sorts sure. of it? I mean, is that kind of what led you to be able to find these types of deals or were you just brute forcing it? online looking at yeah it. Uh, so i would look at at various ways to, to find deals themselves just in the first place in this case it was uh it was a market a small market that i look at i don't look at every town i don't look at towns where there are more cows than people and things like that i you know and i like i said i have a lot of criteria even though they are smaller markets and they're markets that actually some investors and certainly some lenders don't even play in but i do and uh and so i actually hone it down i have a list of probably about a dozen towns if you want to call it within washington that i prefer to look at i'll look at others too and i'm familiar with them but i'm pretty familiar with those and I, i'll have local contacts uh, both on the property management side as well as on the broker side and uh, i'll i'll get their inputs as well uh before you know this was unusual because it was through an online auction most of my properties have not been that been through through an auction that way but uh most of them are have been actually through broker relationships. Uh, and I actually have a broker's license myself. I don't represent clients. I just have it for, for the purpose of investing and, and being able to get into the back end of the MLS and things like that. Very cool. I mean, I think that's, that's phenomenal. I mean, it sounds like you've done a lot of work on online. That's pretty um, nuanced. And then it also sounds like you're probably like one of your other greatest strengths is actually your network of, of your actual relationships, right? Yes. Yeah. And, and we actually, when I say we, my wife and I, we, we actually have a, and it's, it's an Excel spreadsheet. It doesn't have to be an Excel, but it's an Excel spreadsheet. And we have a process that we go through and it starts high level and down to the specifics. And a lot of it, we can research uh, online. I mean, as far as looking at a lot of things, we, we actually have, we, we, we have different columns and we assign different things, different, different, uh, uh, either her or I, and, and we actually have links to, okay, if we're going to check the, the tax records to see if there's any outstanding liens, uh, as far as tax liens, we go to this link for that county, you know, that kind of thing. And we've, we've actually put that kind of process in place. So it, it took a lot to get to that point of, of having that process and putting it together and having those links and knowing where to go. And, and then of course, like I said, talking to people was very important too, talking to the brokers and property managers. But by having that, we have a repeatable process. We don't do that on every process, on every property by any means. Uh, we, we start high and we do, we'll do a real quick 
the real quick back of the napkin calculation from a financial standpoint, as well as a location standpoint, literally, you know, less than five minutes, certainly. And if it looks like it's of interest, then we continue down until we come to a roadblock that says, oh, no, throw this out. That's awesome. And I hope everybody jumps out to learn from you guys. I know you guys do like a lot of education with helping other investors and, and talking a lot about this. Um, just as a quick like plug, like I know people are probably really hot right now being like, how do I learn more about how do you do these types of systems? Like where would they go to Scott? Well, let's see here. I, I mean, in my case, it's all through experience and doing it for 15 years. So, yeah. so uh, it's, it's not like there's a, uh, it's not like uh, pay $99 somewhere and, yeah. and magically appears. So, uh, you know, certainly as far as where, where I would think would be the best sources to learn these kind of processes uh, would be places such as meetups. Uh, and for instance, I gave a presentation at a Seattle area meetup where I summarized some of what I'm talking for people and uh, seemed to be very well received. And it was an in-person one, had lots of questions afterwards. And, and then I would follow up with people, you know, or people would follow up with me and, uh, you know, afterwards. And so that's one way. Of course, uh, podcasts exactly like yours are terrific. I've listened to a lot of podcasts over the years and uh, they're a terrific source. They're, they're, they don't necessarily get down to the details of this is the link you need to use in this county, of course, but uh, that's more of, you know, that's, that's a lot more uh, in, down, in the, down in the weeds. But, uh, but at the same time, as far as overall processes, po podcasts are great. I've read a lot of books. Uh, I've also been involved in some mastermind groups, which are, are different than meetups. They're generally kind of like an invite only, uh, small group kind of setting. They can be really helpful as well. And uh, I've, I've even gone to some paid seminars in the past. I don't do that much anymore, but I've, I've found some of the better gurus. They're, they're, they're gurus who are more interested in, in sending you to the back of the room for the upgrade. And most of, them are, most of them are interested in that. But at the same time, some of them do provide genuine value and genuine information. And I've been to a few of them. Who are your favorite gurus? My, my personal favorite is Dave Lindahl. That's my personal okay. favorite. And uh, some, some folks, uh, you know, not everybody's had a great experience with them, but I've been to some good, uh, good seminars, got some good value out of it early in my investing career. And I've been to some others as well, but that would be my, my first pick. Awesome. Well, Scott, let, let's jump back into the, the, this actual deal because like learning about, it looks like um, what you had is like, yeah, your two buildings as on one parcel of land, you purchased an online auction, you run through the scope of it to, to check it out as much as you can beforehand. Um, you see there's a bunch of expenses, but like the numbers crunch out and say, man, it sounds like I can't lose on this deal, you know, moving forward with it. So it sounds like you did a lot of due diligence in it. This is an asset class that you'd known from before mm -hmm. from other deals that you've done. Um, so it's not like you're really swimming that far out because at least you know the asset really well. Um, and it's probably, it sounds like it's also a type of deal that you, you typically like, even though the acquisition of it was, is pretty novel. So all those things are like all green lights, you know, for me, I'd be like, okay, this looks like this is going to be a great deal, you know? Um, and, um, so, so what happens after the time that, you know, you close on the property and it sounds like there's like a rehab phase that you have to go through, right? Sure. That, what was that? What was that like for you? Yeah, well, uh, it was it was interesting because I basically did my inspection and I even did, I got professionals to go in. I did my inspection after purchase, which of course is, you know, is the opposite of way you would like to do it. But at the same time, that's the way it works at, at auctions. And, and actually, let me clarify, there are some auctions that you can do, that, especially some of the online ones and especially now where you can do... Uh, 
pre-inspections, uh, pre-purchase inspections, and uh, or sometimes they'll have the equivalent of an open house, meaning you know you can come with your inspector and might not have a whole lot of time, but you can show up and look at it. If you're doing the courthouse steps kind of auction, then no, those, those kinds of things aren't aren't an option. So there, there's a wide range, and there's a wide range of types of companies that are out there who do that kind of stuff. But uh, but yeah, literally after after I got my uh, financing set up and got my my uh, my funds in place, both for the initial purchase and then also afterwards uh, to kind of roll roll the funds forward. Then I also started looking at using some of those funds to uh, to do some of the upgrades. I I, I take I take really good care of all my properties because I'm generally a buy and hold investor uh, for the most part. I have sold a couple, uh, but literally just a couple a couple properties. So I am generally buy and hold, and because of that, uh, for both myself for the long term as well as for the tenants who are there, I want the property to be in really good shape. So I came in and to answer your question and went in there with professionals. I had, I had a, a roofer, you know, look, actually several look at the roof and I had people look at the HVAC and I had people look at the interior and things like that. I owned the property, but, and, you know, and there were a few surprises, but again, there was enough buffer in there that, that I was okay with it. And I came in capitalized enough because of the, the creative financing I had done to kind of get into the deal that, uh, that I had the funds immediately to, to deploy, to do even some of those larger projects. And yeah, so basically, I, I just I just did the, the the reverse order of what you would normally do, and just and 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 I didn't rely on myself. That's not my specialty. That's I I've gotten to the point where yeah, I can kind of do a, a an inspection of sorts, but I do want to rely on the professionals. So I hired hired them to come out and tell me, okay, what am I looking at? What do I need to do? Yeah, and when you're targeting like what professionals that you need for that, are you looking for like budget priced people with that? Or are you looking for people that are like the best people that you can possibly get in that so you really don't have to worry about it? Like where's your sweet spot of, yeah. of how do you get I uh, to to directly answer that on that continuum I definitely I definitely am more on the quality over the low priced bidder approach and so in other words I will ask for referrals and I'll ask for if I, if I don't already know people especially if you're talking about let's say inspectors I'll talk to the brokers and property managers and perhaps other investors I may know in the, in that area that specific market and and I'll look for hopefully there are some names that keep popping up. It doesn't always happen, but uh, hopefully I'll hear from several people the same name more than once. And when that happens, that's usually a good sign. So, and and I I when I when I do that, I really do not look at it as a price thing. I, I want to make sure, especially going in, I want to make sure I have a really solid plan, and I know what I need to do right now to make sure the building doesn't fall over, and what I need to do in a two to three year plan of you know things that can be deferred, but really need to, to happen and, and that's we, we put that in place we actually we start out with a, a list of everything and we phase it and we so we say okay what's done now what's done in six months what's done later what's done based on cash flow things like that so we actually have a, a repair rehab and in some in some cases remodel and improve uh, plan Wow. Well, that's awesome, Scott. I mean, it sounds like there's an incredible amount of planning that you do to be able to pull off like an investment like this uh, that comes through with it. And um, I'm just, just in, in, in wrapping up like on today's uh, your story from here today, I think there's a couple of key pieces that I think we, we went through pretty quickly because there was a lot uh, of information that we went through here today. Um, but one thing that I really loved is about like your uh, reliance on like a data 
like what is the data that's behind this deal? Where can I pull from it online? And to know like these are like my criteria that you had when you talked about your Excel spreadsheet that it has to meet like these criteria because these are the criteria that we're going for. So let's pull tons and tons of data together and let that make, you know, the ultimate quote unquote decision for us instead of like just being like, do I have a gut feel about it? Not saying your gut feel isn't important. I'm sure that comes as a part of it. But like the data models that you use, I was like, man, that's a, you know, that's a gem for every investor to at least know. Because if you can't break it down to a data and saying like what exactly I'm looking for, you can guarantee you're just going to get whipsawed into something uh, just based upon like a whim instead of like really approaching it systematically. Yeah. Um, and, and one thing I'll add to that, one of the reasons it's so important is we wanted to live on the island we're living on. And that's not a big booming metropolis. And it allows us to remotely be able to make decisions and be able to invest in other areas that other than where we live. And, you know, so it opens up the opportunities for higher returns, better deals, things like that. We're not just constrained to what's in our 20 minute drive radius. Absolutely. And, and guys, if you're, if you're listening to this on the podcast right now, you should hop over to the YouTube channel and check out the video of this, that the trees that are in Scott's backyard right now, it looks like it's a forest. I mean, it's the most beautiful thing uh, I think I've seen. I'm jealous to be out there. I'm a huge nature buff myself too. I do tons of canyoning and mountaineering. I just climbed Kilimanjaro. Wow. Jealous. I live in Austin, like right in the downtown Austin, you know, right next to Barton Springs pool which is probably one of the hottest places to live right now, maybe in the country. And I'm, I'm a little bit jealous of your backyard right now, Scott. <laughs> well, thanks. Yeah. yeah, it's, it's fairly cool right here. It's a nice, nice, nice temperature. So you're welcome to come. If you ever come up to Whidbey Island, uh, welcome Matt's out for you. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I'll just pop a tent right in the backyard. I don't need it. <laughs> oh, we have a guest room. Oh, okay. Well, even better. Well, it, I mean, it's, it's really awesome um, to, to hear your story and to hear how you think through deals. And I really hope that, uh, that you develop um, everything you're doing now into teaching it to other people. I interview a ton of people. I've looked at a lot of the gurus. I've looked at a lot of information materials. And I, I would say that the, the, the way that you're thinking and approaching uh, these deals, like how thorough you are and the thought process that you develop over time is definitely something that um, it'd be highly valuable mm-hmm. for people to learn. Thank you. So if you ever decide to put that together, you know, let me know. I'd be happy to help you with it. Um, because Thank I, you just rad uh, with what you got going on, brother. And, and in terms of a lesson that you'd like to leave, you know, from your story here today for all the listeners, um, what is a, you know, what do you think is like a, a good takeaway message that you'd like to leave everybody with? Sure. For, for me, the, I would say the most important thing, it was always a vision of what I wanted to do in life. And so, and what I mean by that is, I really enjoy real estate. I really enjoy real estate investing and I find it very interesting. It fits within a broader context and some people say it's, you know, what's your why and they, they express it different ways, but it is also the fuel for, for things that both I and my family do. And we have a, we have a vision board on the wall. We have daily uh, tracking to our goals uh, and only one, you know, I've got about five major topic areas and only one of those is really is real estate the the others are other things in our in our life and and I think it makes it actually a lot more interesting because it fits in a broader context and it's not just money you know or it's not just how many units you have or something like that but it's 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 fueling something for you and what you're trying to achieve in a a bigger sense and and I think that'll you'll you'll stick you I'm I'm 
speaking broadly when I say you, uh, the, the yeah. listeners uh, will stick with it longer as well because there are a lot of people who either never get started, they think they will, but they don't, or they get started on one, it doesn't go okay, and then they get out. But if you have that broader framework, then uh, it can help you keep going and eventually uh, it'll, it'll be successful because you have that, that bigger, bigger vision of what it fits into. Yeah, Scott, and I, uh, you, you characterize that as saying, I'm speaking the broader you, like you're not speaking to me directly about it. But, but really, I mean, in a way, I think we always are, right? Like I take that as personally, um, as, a, as a point of reference. Uh, my experience in life has been that, that what is that deeper vision for me comes from any moments that I have uh, introspection. And it usually happens to me when, when I'm hiking for hours alone and it'll come to be like, oh, this is actually what's really going on with me. And this is really like my broader context of what it is I'm trying to go after. And that process is always a refinement to always look at like next levels above, you know, like I feel like a lot of times we have like a fog of war in a sense, you know, you can only see so far your head or stuff at any given time. And it's in those moments of retrospection as you're walking down the path that you can see a little bit farther as you go. And it becomes revealed to you of where you need to be going, you know, mm -hmm. from those, those internal processes. So uh, I do take that what you, what you just spoke about now um, very personally, because that's actually a central focus for me and like refining what is the vision, what is the, the why for, for it. And I, I encourage everybody to do the same thing because the um as everybody would know is that listens to the show um is that all of the great investors that we talk to all of them make great deals right a lot of the people have mad bait mad made bad deals because that's just what happens from time to time right but the things that we've seen that make people consistently great over time is that deep sense of like an inner knowing about who am I, what, a, where am I going? What's my trajectory and having clarity on where that is. And then it happens to be that certain business things like real estate fall into the path. Mm -hmm. and, I, and I think that's what, um, that what you're saying, if I understood you correctly is, is absolutely I mean, get lined up well internally and then you can make moves and then the world can't stop you. Every, everything will actually conspire for your own success uh, whenever you do that. Right. So I agree. Awesome, Scott. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show here today. And if anybody wants to get a hold of you, like what's the, what's the best way to um, connect with you and, and what types of uh, people are you looking to connect with um, right now in your journey? Sure. So as far as connecting with me, the easiest way would be my website because that has uh, a way to contact me by email as well as my phone number. So if you just go there, you can get all that. And that's bonvolo.com. That's B-O-N as in November, B-O-L-O. Dot com and all my contact info is there and you can call me or email me whatever and then as far as people I'm looking to uh, to get in contact with and work with certainly love to talk to people about uh, deals and certainly would potentially be even open to partnering or if, if somebody has interesting opportunities for multifamily office or retail in tertiary markets, especially around Washington state, they'd love to love to talk to you. Or uh, again, if, if somebody has a, has a question about anything I've talked about, I, I'd certainly be happy to uh, help where I can. So excellent. Well, I think uh, hopefully you just get stormed with people, guys. I got to tell everybody here as listeners is that the Scott's offer just to openly talk uh, to people is very dangerous. Uh, very, very dangerous for a man that hasn't, uh, is not making a living doing, doing this right now. It's just out of the kindness of his heart saying, hey, I'm down to connect with everybody. Um, and uh, it's just a mild endorsement. It's like, seriously, guys, like if you have an opportunity to, uh, to, 
to reach out to Scott and he's willing to talk to you for free. I can tell you from talking to this guy and my experience with working with thousands of investors across the country, the way that he's thinking and approaching these deals is super strong. And I'm serious, man, you should develop like some type of training program and sell it for that $99 or whatever it is because you'll help a ton of people. Oh, know? thanks. I, 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 I have it. had some people reach out to me. I just haven't formalized it. I haven't officially done it, but, well, <laughs> but thank you. Yeah, absolutely guys. Um, this is uh, Scott Royal Smith here with the real estate nerds podcast. I'm the owner of Royal legal solutions, your one-stop shop for everything, legal business and real estate. Uh, come by royallegalsolutions.com. Check us out. Um, thanks guys. And uh, we'll tune in uh, next week. That's all for this best deal episode. And I'm your host, Scott Royal Smith with the Real Estate Nerds Podcast. When investments go good, they can go great. Your legendary best deal could be your next one. So keep at it. Thank you for joining us. And if you enjoyed the show, leave a review to help clue in those sleeping masses for what they need to know and what we all need reminders of. Do your good deed for the day and I'll see you again soon.